Welcome back to Straight to DVD. Raphael, welcome back once again. We're here with another very special episode of a director we both love. We are joined by esteemed colleague, special guest, cinephile, Fernando Bowles. Fernando, welcome. Hey, everybody. Thank you. It's always good to have you here. Excited to pick your brain on, I think, probably one of the best directors currently working, I think. Sure. Sure. Um, Raph, who is it we're talking about today, and what's the film we're talking about today? Tell the people. Dude, this is, this is one of the movies that came out this year. Dude, there, it, it was certainly a movie. It came out this. Year. It it was a movie, and it was it was released this year, and people saw it, and most people didn't. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. But I think it's I think it's um, I think our last episode was also this guy. Um, yes, it was. So we're, wow. we're rounding yeah, out sure. Sure. our Robert Edgar yeah. series. Yeah, well, and, um, yeah, the the A two four ness of uh, of the century and of the year. Yeah, but this movie is not A two four. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. uh, Lighthouse was a two four, correct? Lighthouse was. Oh, what is this? This is not as good. Uh, this so, is. I forgot. I forgot who it was, but it's like a bigger. Indie, I think it's Universal. Um, Am I crazy? Actually, it might be Universal. Um, but yeah, this one had some more money behind it than the Vavitch, which was made yeah. for like. Like yeah. two million dollars, I want to say. We, we Zero probably million know that dollars. since we since we just talked about that. Yeah, that was made for like yeah, like forty bucks and uh and like a bag of peas. <laughs> yeah, and a dream. Uh, <laughs> and a dream. The and then the lighthouse was also a twenty four. That was probably made for like right. probably like five million too. Um, and then this one, I think, cost ninety More million. Yeah. Did we yeah. do a lighthouse episode ever, Raph? Years ago. Yeah. before the but movie we, came out. <laughs> yeah, before the movie came before the yeah. podcast started, before the movie came out, we yeah. uh we dreamt up a movie where Willem Dafoe farts um and and Robert Pattinson um humps a mermaid. Yeah, that's right. Dude, you literally did that on an episode years before it came out. You know, you just <laughs> yeah. you just predicted the plot of the lighthouse in podcast yeah. Everyone um, thought we were crazy. Yeah, but then I claimed director. So it is. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not. I don't know if I'd necessarily classify Northman as a horror movie, but it feels like a lot of his movies, particularly The Vavitch, of course, and Lighthouse to an extent, uh, are very much fitting for the Spooktober season. So yeah, given yeah, his popular filmography, I think it makes sense to do this film uh, this month. Yeah. Uh, via our previous episode, uh, we all know how much I raved about The Witch. I gave it a perfect score. Uh, the Lighthouse, I don't like as much as The Witch, but I really, really enjoy it. I on I in the non-existent episode that we did, I gave it a four out of five. I think. Um. So my expectations coming into this film, I watched it a few days ago for the first time. I didn't see it in theaters, which some people have told me I should have. But I didn't watch it on Amazon. Uh, my expectations you have a were very thing high. For not seeing movies in theaters. Well, when people tell you that you should. I, I mean, look, man, I, I don't, I don't like people anymore, and I don't like big rooms anymore. <laughs> so it's a, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird stake to put to put in for 
a dude who hosts a, a movie podcast to, I don't to like hate, going to the, hates movie. going to the theaters to see to see movies. Dude, COVID hey man, ruined me. Yeah, I get everything on my TV now. Like a month after it comes out, for half the price. Yeah, but movies are cool to see in, in the theater. Uh, yeah, it's There's they're less like cool. The in communal a aspect. I agree, but it's true that yeah. it, it was cool in the theater. Now that COVID is over, like revisit seeing movies in theaters because it, it's I'll, I'll consider it. Th- there's some bangers yeah. coming out this month. Uh, the new Park Chan Wook, uh, the new uh, McDonough. You know, Banshees of Inish- Inish- Oh yeah, um, that I might go see because I'm, um, I'm a McDonough yeah. stan. Yeah, let's go. What's the last movie you saw in theaters? Was um, it, nope? it was it was Nope, oh, yeah. and that was a mistake. Um, yeah, but it was much better in a theater than it would have been on your TV. That's for sure. It would have cost less, but yeah. Oh, um, yeah so it's interesting. We actually um, we may have done an episode about. I think we did do an episode about this. Who's the greatest original horror filmmaker today yeah. and it was like yeah. peel versus eggers um uh, yeah and now i can say that i've seen all three of their big movies from both of them um and have a much better i think grasp on where i land uh with that question and i'll answer that question further into the uh the episode sure um you're kind of at an advantage uh, michael because you saw the other day um I was privileged enough to see The Northman in theaters in April, uh, but way back when, um, with Raphael here. Um, we were both, we sat at the Alamo and we had um, waiters pass out food while, uh, you know, you saw a Viking right across the cosmos with um, slits in her teeth or whatever, you know, it was a pretty weird right. kind of juxtaposition of all that shit. Um, but it was good in theaters. I just, I, it, it has made a strong impression. You, I think you invited me on uh, because you knew that I talk about it a little more with a little more affection than people that we know. Um, but the truth is that I was like a pretty good theatrical experience. And it made a lot of sense to me in terms of like being the next step in Eggers's work. Um, so, you know, I, so here I am at the finish line with Raphael here. I mean, I'm curious about the two of us having that uh, theatrical and, and how we've differed about it in the months since then. Yeah, yes, it's also weird to sit yeah. with a movie for a few months. I definitely did not rewatch it for the purposes of this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it'll be different to hear like like Rock what you have to think of it. Yeah, having seen um, it on your couch three days ago versus you know us seeing it in theaters months ago um, while eating like delicious tenders and and drinking oh, cold dude. beers. Yeah, the tenders. Well, the I mean, so here's the thing. I feel like any movie is enhanced by simply what Alamo Drafthouse is, you know? Um, like, last time I was at Alamo Drafthouse, I watched uh, Return of the King uh, when they brought it back during COVID. And it was amazing. I mean, the movie is obviously fantastic, but just, like, the experience was amazing, especially because uh, our esteemed colleague, No Banana Suits, was with us, and he'd never seen the movie before. So in fucking 2021 to see a human being in a movie theater, see return of the King for the first time. That was like pretty fucking cool. That's but pretty like, nice. Yeah. But like, uh, you know, Alamo, like the seats are big, they're comfortable. You have tables, you get delicious drinks and delicious food and, and people wait on you. So that's awesome. And the fucking intros to, to all their shit is fantastic. Um, so Alamo's yeah, our sponsors of this episode, Alamo draft us. I'm trying to think of the last movie I saw at Alamo that wasn't fully enhanced by it. I mean, I'm pretty anti people walking in front of me as I watch a movie, just like kind of off principle. 
Um, yeah, that's fair. But, but it's true that it's just like, you know, we've got a, we, we have the models that we have and whoever's making money showing movies, you know, we just got to kind of deal with it. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home still sucked as a movie. Sure. But the the like special food options that they had were oh, yeah. were amazing. They had like a yeah. green goblin chili chicken thing yeah. bowl that was fucking yeah. phenomenal. Easily the best part of the movie because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the rest of it sucked. Well, yeah, the those, movie actually uh, sucks. Skin was in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. wow! I was you you were, really we were eating. It all comes back to Willem Dafoe. It does. That's all yeah, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Um, yeah. Well, that's who's in this movie? Yes. Well, but that's what I mean. That like Eggers, right? Um, he has such a specific vision in mind for his work, right? Um, it it it's so subtle, right? It, a lot of it is happening under the surface. He relies on a great cast to bring a lot of it to life, right? And I think, like few people these days, he knows what a great cast looks like, right? Just like who is around that is talented, who is willing to be on his very weird sets. I'm sure, you know, being around him, I'm sure he's a very weird guy. Um, but he knows that Willem Dafoe is definitely one of the people working today who's just like, if you can get him in his stuff, um, you know, he, he expresses a lot. He expresses a lot of what's happening under the surface, a lot of the energy, um, that's beneath the written word. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one thing for Sam Raimi to cast Willem Dafoe 25 years ago, uh, for, um, for Spider-Man. And it's one thing for Disney to just be like, Oh, we'll do, we'll do that again. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's a testament, not just to Defoe, but to Eggers to be like, okay, that same beautiful thing that he was doing 20 years ago and 40 years ago. Right. That's what I want now. Um, that's what this movie needs. And even, even if it needs it only for 15 minutes or whatever, um, he just, he knows exactly, um, the texture that he's going for in any particular scene. And, um, and it, it, we'll get into this obviously it's just a lot of the things that i enjoy are about his control that way i i adore speaking of willem dafoe like obviously he has he has his big scene at the beginning of the movie uh as the uh mushroom induced trip that that they go on um as the soothsayer uh but like i was so one of my favorite parts of the movie is when uh the uh the warlock or the 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 he witch or whatever uh, is stumbled upon by Amleth, uh, Alex Skarsgård, and he has Willem Dafoe's uh, head there. Willem Dafoe's character is now dead, and, and there's his head. And it's a Willem Dafoe voiceover to a little prosthetic head molded to look like Willem Dafoe. And it's great. And I really feel like even though he's not in the scene, like Willem Dafoe's presence is still captured via this little prop as well as his voiceover acting and the way the scene is directed that was like wow it's i've never seen anything like that yeah he knows um exactly what to do with um you know creating these images and and making these characters uh sort of resonate across the movie and i think that's like very much uh in keeping with the whole structure of the script right and of how it goes um he's a person on a journey and he's encountering a lot of different people and they come in and out of his life. Um, but the truth is that he accumulates a lot of their learning and experiences. And by the end, right, we're at this climax, this Armageddon, this end of the world. And the truth is that it all has meant something. It's all, um, it's all come together um, speaking through him, right? Willem Dafoe's part of the journey is over. Um, Nicole Kidman's part of the journey is over, but it's it's all added up to something um, that 
with a lot of uh, forward movement, you know, a lot of acceleration. And I think Defoe is a big part of that. So in that in that realm, I, I want to ask both of you uh, this question because I was thinking about it a lot throughout the movie, and I think the movie gives us a lot of hints, intentionally so. Also, at other times, it desires to be uh, ambiguous, and I think can be read both ways. Um, I feel like sort of a lot of what he's tackling with in the witch, with the supernatural, when the supernatural elements are in fact real, uh, particularly the, the last chunk of it. Um, the uh, the elements of Odin and uh, and the Valkyrie and uh, Valhalla uh, and all that stuff. Um, the elements in the film obviously are shown to us and can be perceived as oh those things are actually happening or it's just what this character believes and how he perceives these things. It's not real. But I'm I'm curious what your both of your thoughts are with those supernatural Norse elements and how they're depicted in the film. What do you think of them? That um that's an interesting question. I feel like we kind of got into it in the witch about like um or the Vavitch, where Eggers likes to make these movies about people who have just like so much goddamn time on their hands that they make up these weird belief systems and then just like fully throw themselves into it. Um so I feel like in a way, like it doesn't matter if it is real or not, because to, I, I forgot the character's name to Skarsgård. Um, like it is all so real um, that even if he's just imagining it, it is in his brain. So real that that's all that matters. Um, and to us as an audience member, like it's not for us to question, like we're going on this journey with him. Um, like he is very much so, our point of reference for everything that we see in the movie. Um, so whether or not that's something that he's just seen in his head or a dream that he's having or something that he is like tangibly experiencing, it doesn't matter because it's all, it's all real to him. So like, we're just there to go along for the ride. Um, so I didn't even really like think twice about it. Um, I, I was there like vibing with him, you know, nice. Man, I don't know what, what you thought about that. Um, to me, uh, this question is, you know, is presented as kind of innocuous, um, you know, as if it's like something that everyone struggles with in terms of, uh, not only supernatural movies, but also just like watching Eggers' stuff. It's like, oh, these, uh, these cute little folk tales, um, and, uh, and how easily and how, uh, how spectacularly they're rendered on screen, um, as if it were as simple as that, as if it was just kind of the telling of a story. Um, but I think Eggers is a little smarter than that. And he, um, I think he's really interested as a filmmaker in kind of having these very vivid characters and putting them in situations that ask a lot of them. Um, and so those are situations related to, um, to folk tales of note, right? This is like literally the story that Hamlet is based on, right? Um, a guy, uh, killing the dude who marries his mom after his dad dies or whatever, right? That's a, that's a tale as old as time. Um, but it's literally, this is the origin of it. Um, I think Eggers' point in um, investigating these supernatural tinged folk tales that have kind of on the surface simple narratives is he gives the characters in them, these very vivid characters, the gift of taking their worlds and their beliefs completely seriously and constructing stories that never, ever create any opportunity for um 
for that belief to wane, right? To for any kind of modern um, second guessing, right? Uh, or uh, you know, a twenty first century conscientiousness doesn't really enter into any of these characters' heads. So, to me, watching his stuff is 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 seeing him play in a way that's very interesting to me because he has these characters and they go on their journeys and they are faced by the question of how are you prepared to wrestle with things that are beyond your understanding? And the answer is always yes. You know, you've got Anya Taylor-Joy in The Witch and she understands that she needs a resolution to this problem that she has of her of her family and this, you know, you can't even call it a society, just this, this, um, this, uh, this headspace that she's in, right. That is forced on her, right. And how to escape it. Right. So Eggers gives her the gift of saying, you know, all, all of the things that you want for your power, um, are available to you, right. There, there is a price to be paid, but it is there. I think the Anya Taylor-Joy analog in the Northman in her character is the same kind of thing, right? Isn't that interesting to see her carry over that that total fanaticism, that devotion to this um, this other hierarchy, this invisible order of things that's happening in the world? Um, not only is it important for her and for you know her being grounded in her character, um, Skarsgård, you know. He needs that devotion. He needs that belief, right? It's not enough for him to be devoted to violence. He needs a purpose and he needs a future, um, a future that doesn't just involve Valhalla. And um, the intersection of these human desires, uh, these, these, this very natural urge to escape, you know, the box that you find yourself in, and being given the power to escape those things, right, by the tools of the gods or the magic sword that you find in a cave when you fight a skeleton for it or whatever. Um, like that's Eggers' gift to, to make really present and immediate, um, these incredible journeys of very natural modern impulses that are aided by the total seriousness of the supernatural elements. Right. And so that's something that we can all, um, we can all look and say, oh, that's, that's what I want in my life. I want to be able to call on Satan or Odin or whatever, um, solve all my problems. Um. But I think the charm of Eggers is that he's really kind of playful that way, that he's really looking for opportunities to subvert sort of um, uh, conventional drama um, by injecting these elements. And I think it's a big part of his success. You, um, you had an episode talking about uh, Everything Everywhere and The Witch, um, and that's really exciting to me. And I, and I wished I could be on it because I wanted to talk about how the reality of the supernatural or the fantastic elements of the witch are so much more convincing and interesting to me than what's happening in everything everywhere, right? Everything everywhere, like sort of, um, um, it extends itself to be in kind of a fun science, right? Playing with a lot of tropes about time travel or the quantum nature of the universe to solve its problems and to put its characters in interesting situations. I think Eggers is a lot more rigorous about how humans encounter what they don't understand and how they how they would interact with it and how they would exploit it if um if it were really possible if they really found themselves face to face with something that they couldn't understand but they needed to utilize to um to further their own goals i think he's really special that way i think he's totally unique in his in his seriousness about 
these very fantastical, silly things, right? And how he and how he treats humanity in the midst of them. To support that too, I think I think it's interesting the position he puts uh, Amleth in on the boat uh, when he's sailing away from Iceland. He, you know, he has he has this belief of his destiny that he, you know, he, he he's at this crossroad uh, via this prophecy that he believes in, where he has to either choose his revenge or or his kin. And in a very tangible way, the prophecy comes uh, true with. Uh, Anna Taylor Joy uh, being pregnant uh, with his children and how that's a very real thing. But to him, uh, this fantastical nature of what he believes in is even more so. Uh, and that's what he, that's the path he chooses to, to take at the end as, a, as opposed to go with her and, and be with his children. And so I think uh something that supports what you're saying, Nana, is that this, our protagonist, this character we've been with from the beginning and what supports what you're saying too, Raph, where it doesn't matter whether it's real or not to us as the viewer, it, it matters that he believes it. And that's how he's perceiving it uh, is because to him, that's, that's everything. That's, that's why, that why he's lived his life the way he has. That's why he's done everything that he's done is in pursuit of this. Um, and that's, that's literally why he makes the, the final choice that he makes at the end. Yeah, imagine a, a dude just like making a choice and seeing it through all the way to the end. Like that's essentially what this what this movie is. Um and it's like it's kind of cool as like um to get away from like the supernatural element of it, but as a sort of like period piece, um like in today's, you know, day and age, no one would have the attention span to set this kind of goal no matter how ridiculous it is and see it through all the way to the end to the point where you literally abandon your potential family at the end um to you know to to go kill your uncle in in the middle of a of a volcano mountain you know um it's just not something that that any of us would do um so i think just to kind of like look at the movie from that perspective um is both interesting and like kind of funny um like i feel like eggers like for because he is super smart and super in-depth um and like really layered with the movies that he makes he doesn't get credit for just being like a kind of funny dude um and if you just look at the movie in sort of that framing it is kind of just one big joke um in in a weird way well yeah and it I mean, you know, the, th the, and Nan, I agree with you completely. The second, uh, the, the sequence with Fjolnir and Ethan Hawke occurred, I was just like, oh, okay, this, this movie's just Hamlet. Um, is that, you know, much like Hamlet, like the, you realize the, um, the futility of it. Like he, he he lives his life by I will avenge you, father. I will save you, mother. I will kill you, Fjolnir. Um, and he's not saving his mother. His mother's happy. Uh, in a way, he's he's avenging his father not for his father, but for himself. His father was just as shitty as as everyone else. Um, so really, uh, the the way he lives his life, the only thing he's really doing in his life motto is just killing Fjolnir. 
Um, and we see the consequences of being so completely devoted to that. And as a result, uh, it leads him to a place where he murders his mother uh, and he murders uh, his child half-brother. It's <laughs> um, so like, <clears throat> it's, I, it's, it's, you got to be goal oriented. Yeah. No matter, no matter what's, no matter who or what stands in the way. If, if you, if you set out to do something and your mother gets in the way and tries to like make out with you or whatever, like you got to murder her. I, I don't care. I think that's, I think that's the, the, the central thesis of this movie is no matter who is standing in your way of your goals, um, like you might have to murder them. You might have to murder your own family in order to achieve your goal of murdering other people in your family. It's funny. I, you know, there was that very weird scene where she, uh, Nicole Kidman kisses Alexander Skarsgård on the lips and she plays his mother in the film. And it's funny as I was watching that scene, uh, I, I, I was thinking about Robert Eggers being like, okay, yeah. And this is, you know, this is going to be the scene where Nicole, you, you kiss him and being that they're married in real life. I can only, <laughs> I was just thinking like, Oh, sweet. We, we get to make out in this movie, even though you're my mother, <laughs> but we're they're married, married in real life. Yeah. That's oh, hilarious. Yeah. I, I did not know that. Yeah. Good for her, for him. For She's much, much, much old. I mean, yeah, I guess they're happy. She's much, much older than he is. And much more successful. Yeah. How many AMC ads is, uh, Dude. whichever scars guard this is. How many is he in? There's, uh, there's zero. Zero. Yeah. Stellan needs exactly. One. Yeah. Which Skarsgård is this? Is it a, is it Peter? The is Alex, there a Peter? Alexander. There Alex. is a Peter Skarsgård. But he's not uh, related to the Skarsgård, like these Skarsgårds. I, I, I don't know. I, I'll ask. <laughs> You'll ask Peter yeah. Or, yeah. or Alex? I'll call, I'll call Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, which, which one of these fuckers is your, is your son? Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, dude, that scene is is like really weird. Um, what did you think of it? Like, did you, I feel like when the movie first came out, um, the internet did that thing where it overreacts to every, every like single newest thing. And it's like, Oh my God, this is the most incredible thing. And a lot of people on the internet um, were saying that like Nicole Kidman won an Oscar, you know, with that one monologue, but it's like, it's like, okay. Um, I, I, I certainly, didn't think that uh <laughs> at any point um i thought the performances were were good um i'll oh yeah I'll, I'll come out i'll i'll come right out and say it uh this movie didn't really captivate me um much at all uh and i wonder if it had to do with my expectations going into it because i love 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 the witch and i really really like uh the lighthouse and so going into it, I was like, fuck yeah, I know I'm going to love this. And maybe that was the wrong headspace to go into it. Um, and I, I mentioned this, this is going to sound like a weird comparison. I mentioned this to, uh, to Fernando here uh, prior to us filming earlier today. I said that I compared my experience watching this to Baby Driver, uh, which sounds very strange. But the reason that it reminded me of Baby Driver is because Prior to seeing Baby Driver in theaters, and neither Fernando nor myself care for that film very much, but I loved the trailer, and I was excited to see the movie. And I felt like the trailer painted that film as, oh, it's going to be this very cool, choreographed 
heist after heist after heist movie, when really it was not that. And so I love the trailer for The Northman as well. And it seemed like it pitched itself to me as this is going to be another cool period, folky Eggers piece um, that's, you know, uh, a, a very gritty Viking movie. And yes, those elements are in the film. But really the movie, the, the meat of the movie is him feigning uh, as a slave on this farm. Um, and that's pretty much it. And and that's fine. But I I guess I it sort of left me in this place where in spite of how fantastic it looks, how well directed it is, how good the performances are and how amazing sort of the set is, um, I felt like it didn't really excite me much. Um, I, I think I, I kind of felt the same way. I feel like the trailer and a lot of the marketing, um, I think the like I'll circle back to the marketing, but I think the like the trailer and stuff, it sort of gave us the idea that this was going to be it is a big epic sort of movie, but I think it sort of falsely advertised itself as that scene of like the one sort of pillaging of of a town that they did which was like, amazing that whole which was, was like it was it was really cool like there was a lot of cool action in that um like the way that the camera moved during that that scene was was awesome the way that Skarsgård just sort of was like lurking around was um was super awesome um all like all that whole scene was was super cool and it came like pretty early in the movie so you're like fuck yeah we're just gonna get like badass vi- viking fights for another hour and a half or, or whatever it is um and we didn't get that like um we probably like i probably thought it was going to be more like even though i've never seen braveheart like something like braveheart or like gladiator where it's just like <laughs> a fuck ton of fighting and like guys being dudes um but instead it is like him on the on the farm and like um, it is sort of more like mellow and low key of him sort of trying to figure out how he's going to to see this plan through um, and like, you know, like slower scenes of just like dialogue and stuff, which is super cool. And like the movie's not bad. Yeah. It's just not what I was expecting and what I think a lot of other people were expecting. And I, I want to reiterate, too, like if that's what the movie is, that's fine. Like I love The Witch. And that movie is literally just uh, a family on a farm <laughs> for, for 90 minutes. Um, yeah. So like, I'm not I'm, saying I didn't like the movie. I, yeah, I, yeah. I still really, really dug it. It just wasn't what I thought. I, it was gonna I be. thought it was, I thought it was uh, very well made. Um, and I think there's a lot of stuff in it. That's very special. Um, but I, I, it, it, I, I didn't feel like it grabbed me the same way his previous two did. I, I, I don't know if it's a me thing um, but I didn't find myself as uh, as engaged once he reached well, Fjolnir. Fjolnir's I think farm. part of it is part of it is a bit of false advertising or just a poor marketing campaign. And then the other part is if you're someone who made two banging films as your first two, like people are going to expect the third one to also be yeah. the most banging thing of all time. And even if it is only sort of banging and not you know, the most banging, it's going to feel like a disappointment. Like he still made a really, really damn good movie. 
it's just not as good as the uh, as the Vavich or the Lighthouse. So, yeah, in that sense, it feels like a failure, even though it's still a really damn good movie and would be like the best thing that Zack Snyder or or Josh Trank ever made. I don't know why I pulled those two names out. That was an unfair shot at those guys, but fuck it. Yeah, comparing uh, Josh Trank and Zack Snyder to, <laughs> to Robert Eggers is uh, <laughs> you lose that battle nine little... times out of ten. <laughs> yeah, that was that was kind of mean. <laughs> Sorry um, to our good friend Zack Snyder. Yeah, wherever he may be. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, yeah, that's maybe that's why I I the movie ended. And I sort of had this wave of disappointment over me um, in spite of how fantastic it looks, how like they built all the sets from scratch, how banging what action there was, was uh, how well directed it was and how great the performances were. Like in spite of all those things, I, I felt um, I felt disappointed. I felt like maybe and like I said, this is why I said I think maybe it's a me thing. I felt like my expectations weren't met. Um, so it's kind of a, a shame uh, in that regard. Like I, I found my, and I hate using this word. I really hate using this word, but for the middle portion of the movie, I found myself bored uh, for, for very many minutes of it uh, for about an hour. I was pretty darn bored. Interesting. I can't yeah. remember. I don't know if I ever got bored. I was just, I don't want to say confused. It, it's, it just wasn't, it wasn't really vibing with me, which is really like, that's a, that's not a clear explanation for, you know, why a, a, a movie, uh, why I might feel a certain way about a movie. Uh, but I think that's kind of the, the thing with, with Eggers is that, um, all three of his movies are not going to necessarily connect with every member of the audience, but when they, when you do connect with them, it ends up being something special. So like for me, the lighthouse was something that I just automatically clicked with. And that felt like a very special viewing experience for me, for you, the Vavitch, it just caught on and it just clicked. That's a very special viewing experience for you. I'm sure there are people where this movie, um, it just clicked, you know, at a certain point, maybe in the, in that hour that you were like, what the fuck is going on? Like, when are we going to get off this farm for them? It clicked and that's awesome, but it's not going to, his movies are never going to click with everyone. Um, and it seemed like, again, going back to the marketing, the way that this movie was marketed, it seemed like, it was expected that this would be the kind of movie that clicks with everyone. Um, and maybe it shouldn't have been marketed that way. Um, yeah. And it probably could have made a fuck ton more money if it was marketed correctly. Uh, to me, the baby driver comparison is really interesting because, um, uh, you know, what's his name? Um, what the fuck is the Sean of the Dead guy's name? Ed Wright. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Um, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the thing about Wright and he like him like kind of making a name for himself, right, with these irreverent homage comedies, right? 
and then he and then he has this new thing. Oh, uh, it, it's not it's sort of irreverent, but I'm doing it for real now, right? So that was that was the excitement that he was like kind of doing a real movie with a big cast, with an American cast, um, and kind of showing his stuff, his his real stuff. And I think so. That's a disadvantage because with Eggers, right, um, the witch was real stuff, right? You just watch it, and you're like, this is not an homage. It's not funny. Um, what it is is totally original, and it, and it and it comes and it's and it's and it stands on its own. And you can look at it, and you can understand what someone, why someone really wanted to tell the story, which isn't quite as true about Shaun of the Dead, just for instance. Um, so, uh, but but they're all they're, they're all equalized, of course, by the um, by the necessity of marketing it. Um, I didn't see the lighthouse, um, and I'm sure it was very good. Um, I did see Edgar Wright stuff before I saw Baby Driver. Um, what appealed to me about this uh, more than more than that, those kinds of things, right, um, was that sense of surprise walking in. And understanding, oh, it's from the guy who did the witch. And the thing about the witch is that it's very subversive. It's very quiet for a lot of it, um, and it's bombastic moments. Right? They they punctuate um, the majority of runtime, which is um, a lot of existential angst from a teen girl. Um, so uh, there are many ways that a Viking man is very similar to a teen girl. You know, in a in a from a modern perspective. Um, and I think the movie was very interesting to me for being unafraid for delving into that kind of dynamic. You've got a guy whose whole, um, organization of the universe, right? Literally God and man, the planets, the sun and the moon, the seasons or whatever, right? All of that is explained by this insane esoteric, uh, devotion to paganism, right? Um, and how, that pagan reality uh, interacts with all of the other ones in the world, right? We have this intersection with Anya Taylor-Joy, and she has a counterpoint to him, but they, they cooperate with each other because they have the same goals, even if they believe in different gods, just for instance, or if they acknowledge that the other gods exist. When it is revealed that it is not going to be all berserker raids or whatever, right? And it's not going to be all Bjork monologues. Um, when it's just a dude um toiling the land right for for whatever period and it's and in it, in an epic way right it's just like a guy um biding his time and it could be weeks months years right the story could go lots of different ways when he's there and he's working the land we understand that he's performing his role in the way that he feels the universe is organized so for me, watching a curled up Stellan Skarsgård, not Stellan, Alexander, of course. Wow, Stellan would be very different in that role. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, that kind of actually would have been better if he just like lived his whole like 60 years of life and then found the dude and then killed like super old Nicole Kevin. Um, but I guess. <laughs> oh my um, God, Alexander Skarsgård turns into Stellan at the end. That would be incredible. Dude, dude. Oh my God. Yeah, that's a level of script writing that Eggers hasn't evolved to yet. But, uh, but I <laughs> yeah. Get on our um, level, Eggers. Yeah, what the fuck? Get a podcast, Eggers. <laughs> um, I just mean the the tension between those two things is exciting, right? Like the reason that it's cool to see a Valkyrie ride across the sky um, much later at the end in a in a beautiful vision or whatever, right? Is because we know that that is his reward 
for his devotion to his service, right? Um, you know, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy uh, lifting up into the sky or whatever at the end, right? It is an acknowledgement. It's a, it is a fantastical, totally, you know, it, it it's beyond anything that any human has ever actually experienced, but that's the power of the movies, to just say, it doesn't matter what you suffer or who imposes it on you or what members of your family you have to kill. Um, there is reward and sitting around watching them play Viking sports and have their little Viking feasts and wonder about, um, which slaves they can trust or whatever. And, and of course, and I think it does escalate in terms of that feeling, um, you know, ratcheting up intention, right. Incidents occurring that, 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 that make it really exciting, right. That, that makes that, uh, that forward momentum feel present, um, I think that's what Eggers was really interested in in exploring, to think about a man slaving on a farm for the people he hates most in the world and how that man organizes that time of service or that, you know, just that experience as being on the side of the gods, as fighting a war on behalf of the gods, that it's, that it's Odin himself whispering in his ear saying, you're doing the right thing, man. Right? Like, so Alexander as a, as a physical presence alongside all the people leading your ex with, um, uh, to me, the charm of the movie was how shitty the background was, right? How gray and horrible everything was that these, that these slaves are dragged here from the middle East, you know, from Africa, from the Mediterranean, and they're dragged into the cold asshole of the the world to work the hardest coldest land um to dr to drig up um the smallest little wispy potatoes in the world or whatever the fuck they got going on in iceland um and um here you know and it's all pointless and it's all stupid and they all end up in the grave except one guy one guy lived that life and he had a purpose and here it is um for your uh, cinematic experience or whatever um, I think Eggers is a person who's really interested in those tensions, right? And because they speak a lot to the modern day, right? We we walk around and we know that it's not that different from working the land or whatever, right? The things that we do in modern life, working remote, having Zoom meetings, right? Um, uh, someone feels the land is being worked, you know, uh, whenever we're on a Zoom call. So that's nice for that person. And it's nice that I don't actually have to work the land to make the same result happen. And pity the poor people who actually have to in 2022, of course. Um, I just mean that Eggers um, is really interested in um, in crafting a beautiful vision of of uh, that that we can participate in, right? That we can fantasize about having a purpose. We can fantasize about um, our devotion to our horrible, amoral gods, um, you know, leading us somewhere. Uh, so it's easy to be like, oh, why wasn't it more like a Mel Gibson movie? Well, Mel Gibson is a caveman and he doesn't have a lot of, um, uh, you know, patience or imagination for uh, a William Wallace story that took seriously, I don't know, um, the fanaticism of it, right? The, the, the total like terrorist zeal of the whole thing of being like, I will... I will kill as many English people as I need to, to free Scotland or whatever. Right. Uh, I think there is a, there's a psychological, um, seriousness about 
the time and place about the period detail with the Northmen, that's just not happening in, in Braveheart. Braveheart's really exciting. And, and, um, and it's one of the Mel Gibson movies that I really like, and I'll cling to even as he's canceled more and more with every passing day, right? That and Apocalypto, like I, I'll never let those go. Um, but definitely Gibson wishes uh, he was as good a director as, as Eggers. Um, and I'm thinking about Apocalypto right now and, and, and wishing that we could go back in time and make Eggers do it. Um, because that would be to think about the, the level of detail and emotional, uh, I don't know, vividness that he would, that would, he would put on these totally alien people, right? These Maya, their beliefs, their ceremonies, their tattoos, their, um, you know, the whole of the production or whatever. I love Apocalypto and I think it's super streamlined. Um, but definitely the way that Eggers works is, is so much more cerebral and serious, and uh, and I'm sure that came across in the lighthouse. I I mean I really should see that. It's it's totally embarrassing. That I, um, it's not, not to say that that's like uh like what I what I wanted out of this movie, but I think what Rock and I were saying before is that based on a lot of the marketing and um, yeah, yeah, sort of absolutely. how this how this movie was uh was sold to the public, um, I think a lot of general audiences and I'll include myself in, in that general audience, we were more so, or I, yeah, we were more so expecting something along the lines of like a little more shallow, like something like, like a gladiator um, instead of something that's a little, a little headier, like what the Northmen ended up being. Um, and I feel like to, to sort of take it to like the, like movie, industry and like business side um i feel like that ended up hurting eggers more than it did help him like if this was sort of marketed as just another really niche eggers a24 like if you're a weirdo like you'll love this movie um if you're in, into something like kind of heady and and folky you know you'll love this um, that would have been better for like the next steps in his career, as opposed to like, oh, Eggers is going to make a a massive ninety million dollar epic that everyone is going to love, and he's going to become the biggest, you know, director in in um, in Hollywood right now. Um, yeah, I feel like that ended up hurting him more than than it did helping him. It, it's, I, I I completely agree that it was fucked up by the and I think the people um, like I I think the people who the people who like liked it still would have really liked it but i think that maybe like people like like me and and mike like who were expecting something different maybe would have walked away with a different sort of appreciation than the one that we have right now for the movie it, it's it's interesting i you know i certainly don't think the film is bad by by any means it's better than most of the shit we get uh every year without question like uh a lot of what you like about it, Nan, I, I do as well. Um, you know, I love, I love the, 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 you know, the, the gritty nature of it and, and the worldly nature of it. And, you know, the really being in the shit uh, nature of it, just like being on the shitty plot of land, having to do these shitty mundane things. It's, it's a part of why I, I love the witch and the lighthouse as well. You know, those, those elements are there as well. Um, and it's going to be interesting uh, when we reach the end of the episode here and, you know, we, we rate it <clears throat> or whatever, because what's, what's interesting is that I, I feel like my, 
my rating of this movie is not indicative of its quality. It's it's indicative of my uh, preference and my experience watching it. Uh, you know, and and I think about that with ratings uh, a, a lot these days, um, and how oh, there are plenty of movies that I enjoy that I think objectively can be viewed as bad uh, and, and vice versa. There, there are plenty of, of films I've seen that I don't like very much and have no desire to rewatch, but from certain objective standpoints, uh, they're well-made movies. Um, certainly this movie doesn't fall into that category because I think it's very well-made um, and I still think it's good. But for some reason, it it felt like it didn't. Um, and and I, I I agree with everything you said. Like I get I get what he was going for, um, and I get the importance of it. And 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 yet I I I feel as though it didn't. Um, and like I said, maybe it's a me thing. Didn't feel like it it uh it it, it engaged me in the same way sure. as previous two uh, did. I'm not, I, and I still, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent on the money as to knowing why I feel that way. It's just sure. what I, what I was left with. I think it's much more straightforward and I think it's much more uh, in line with uh, conventional notions of storytelling, like beyond that, it's literally Hamlet, uh, literally Shakespeare knew about the story and then adapted it. Um, and beyond the fact that it's just a uh, civil revenge, right? Just stab a dude with a sword or whatever at the end. Like, let's just, let's get to the sword stabbing. Um, you know, uh, I think he was really excited to um, to tell something relatively straightforward compared to his stuff, to have a, an enormous budget compared to his stuff. Um, you know, it must have felt really good. And if the result isn't the reaction that he wanted, um, then of course that's a bummer, but uh, you know I, I think we can all agree that he. You watch that movie and you're just like, well, that's definitely the movie Eggers wanted to make. You know um, that it, it is weird and distinctive, and um, and a little impenetrable, right? This a is, little, yeah. Tell me. No, no, I was just gonna say that like <clears throat> Eggers' version of this movie is also like easily the best version that we're that we're gonna get. Um, like we said, like the Mel Gibson version of this movie or, or whatever, yeah, like the, absolutely, yeah. the Ridley, Ridley Scott mailing it in yeah. version of this movie or the Quentin Tarantino re- revenge, ver- like strictly revenge story version of this movie are all going to end up being like far less enjoyable than this Eggers version. Uh, so like, it's cool that we, that we just got the Eggers version, even if it's not necessarily going to click with everyone we still got the best version of this movie, which is something to appreciate on top of everything else that there is to appreciate about this movie. Uh, I think we can really uh, appreciate as well uh, the studios, right. For, for reading this weird script. I mean, you know, Stellan having a lot of excitement behind it. I'm sure that pushed a lot. Um, You know, you, any executive reading the script would be like, what he's on the farm for 50 fucking pages or whatever. Um, and then, you know, you can imagine that meeting and be like, yeah, yeah, that's the whole story that, that he like, that he bides his time and he, and he smolders, you know, and it's, it's really cinematic. Um, I think it is true that you watch it and you perceive studio fiddling, um, in a way that's not true in his previous efforts because they're just, they fly under the radar too much and they have too few budgets and he, you know, he and his agent negotiated or whatever. Um, I think you can watch this and be like. Uh, there's a director's cut of this somewhere, you know, in Eggers' head. 
where the, the, the beginning is a little slower, right? And maybe there's even more farm shit, you know, maybe it's even more meditative. Uh, you know, uh, Raph always likes when I when I call things Malikian, but I could definitely see like a dude. As soon as you said meditative, like I just thought, like, what if there's just an entire <laughs> middle section that's just straight out of the Malik handbook? And, yeah, like, yeah, that would yeah, sure. It, but that, yeah. that's a cool movie too. I I'd watch that yeah. version of of the Northman that's for what sure. I'm saying. That, well, but maybe that exists, and maybe some studio guy was like, "Where's all the stabbing or whatever?" You know. Um, so I am curious about the alternate version where that movie exists. And how we would react to it and, and whether those editorial choices would strengthen it or make it a little clearer what it was going for. I mean, you know, so that's that's just the conversation around movies. You can never really um, navigate past those uh, obstacles of what could have been. I, um, I think my, my my main thing is that I, I'm down with either version of this movie. I'm down for yeah. just the, like, mega stabby version. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm also too. down for... I'm also down for the meditative Malik version of this movie. Yeah. Um, we were just, we were sold one version of the movie that we weren't given. Absolutely. Um, which right. is like, again, just like we talk about this a lot on this show, but like another example of studio meddling um, being like the worst thing in the world. Um, yeah. Like most of this movie's budget was for marketing and they totally botched the marketing job yeah, to the absolutely. point where there were posters on the subway and it didn't say the fucking name of the movie that they were yeah. advertising yeah. or like a like, release date. Well, like they just put up posters all over New York City and didn't over. say what the movie was or when it was yeah. being released. And that's where like 80% of this budget went. It wasn't to Eggers actually being on set and like right. making the movie or paying any of the actors. Well, you, it was you, all for them to botch the marketing job. You can yeah. feel that in the edit of the trailer too. The studios being like, oh, it's got this budget, so we need to get all these people in here. Right. What do people like? They fucking yeah. love action, so let's put all the action scenes in the trailer. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, that's not what the movie is. <laughs> super, super not. Yeah, and you know, and even if you were to ask a trailer or what the movie is, you'd be like, "Well, it's uh, it's it's moody, and it's um, and and it takes its sweet time, right? It's it's an epic about a man who waited for the bodies of his enemies to float by in the river, right? Just like the like the like the axiom says. Um, hard to cut a trailer for, maybe, but I think just like. I think golden hour shots of Alexander right in the fields or whatever, right with a little voiceover, you know, um, you don't need to explain the whole premise. You don't need to, uh, you know, the, the boy uh, rowing away in the boat, repeating his, his little mantra or whatever, right? That's the center of the marketing as if it's, um, as if it is as straightforward as that, right? It's really taking, it's 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 taking the story right in in as literal and as simplistic a way as possible and it's really a disservice to the incredible thought and planning and and uh i don't know artistic intention that eggers is obviously communicating throughout all of it and i think you can watch the beginning and be like man there's a lot of artistic intention that is sort of implied here um but isn't really happening um and i and i and i think it's 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 pretty um it's pretty easy to be mournful as you watch it and to be like, mm, this is, um, 
this is doing a disservice to these characters and these scenes, right? That they're structured this way, um, just because, yeah. Well, there's a lot happening that's that that's not being expressed. That's compared compared to how much time we spend with him on the farm in the middle of the movie, the the yeah. beginning ends up feeling abrupt. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is exactly what you're right. saying. And uh, perfunctory, you know, like they're just yeah. checking off the boxes or whatever. Right. And Nan, I think you said this uh, before we were recording too. It's like the, they, you, you, you either read or you felt like they meddled with the beginning a lot. I can, I can totally see that because it's like you bring in Ethan Hawke and Willem Dafoe. Yeah. It's like I really feel like there was a lot more there. Yeah. Absolutely. Like at least yeah. another half hour to 45 minutes that uh that those two could have been involved and yeah and i and i wouldn't have been mad the more you immerse yourself into skarsgård's character's uh organization of the world right about the, what he thinks is right and how and how he conceives of everything um the more that 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 whole section is going to play the more that climax is going to hit and i think they uh, they take for granted a lot of preconceptions about viking life or whatever right um, and those, and so we have to wait until later in the movie to understand, oh, those preconceptions are being challenged. This is actually quite a subversive and detail-oriented take on uh, pre-modern life and what that was like and how people might have inhabited it or whatever. Um, and I think, I think people, I, and you spend a lot of the runtime being like, uh, you know, where is this going to be a commentary on pre-modern life? Is, is that what's happening? You know, um, and I. Uh, I think there is room for that. I think people are interested in it. Um, but it, but you know, where, where is that on the poster that we're all over the subways, you know? Well, there's nothing on the poster, so it's, it's nowhere. That's right. It's, um, it's just Nicole Kidman's face. Yeah. I think even like the scene that is all over the trailers and stuff of like the one big sort of action scene where he's, where he's pillaging with the, uh, the rest of that crew. Um, it's yeah. like funny, like now that I'm thinking about like the idea of like wanting more of that, um, it's kind of funny because that scene is very much so just there to sort of show his like deviation from his understanding of the world and uh, the sort of like devotion to his um, to that certain sort of like belief system um, that really drives him the rest of the movie. Um, so like the fact that it is so small and so short and such a small part of the movie and not something that's like repeated throughout. Um, it's like clearly very purposeful. Um, yeah. And, you know, but when I was watching it, I was just thinking, okay, like where are the scenes of him jumping off of towers and stabbing people <laughs> on, on horses? Like that's yeah. cool to, to watch, but, um, but no, then you, you know, like you think about it for a second and, and you realize why there's not more of that because it, it was done. It, it, it served its purpose for the rest of the, the rest of the movie. Um, and it's gone. It's over. Completely. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, um, it's quite frustrating in that way. I mean, yeah, I, I'm glad you pointed out that it, that it really represents kind of the, the, the low point of his story that he's, that he's forced as a very, very young man to transform his nature into that of a berserker because he's obviously a very, um, forward-thinking individual, you know, full of plans, full of anticipations and counter moves or whatever, um, even as he's kind of simple and straightforward. Um, so, 
you know, he hones his body and we obviously see the, um, the effect of that. But the truth is that the rest of the movie is about, is about a silent killer, right? Like a totally cool hitman kind of dude, right? Playing it cool. Um, willing to learn, willing to listen, right? Willing to collaborate, willing to be smart. Um, and it's not being, Dude, and he's, honing his, he's honing his soul. And his yeah, absolutely. And to, to, to get where he needs to be. Right. And, and, and if he didn't do that, and then when he discovered the truth about Nicole Kidman and, and the nature of her um, uh, role to his father, right. And her, her role in his father's death, um, you know, there's a lot, there's, there's a different movie where he's not as prepared and he's not as smart and he's not as interesting and he just kills himself or he, or he gets into a fight and then he just dies there, right? Just because he's so mad or he can't deal with it or whatever. That's not what happens, right? It's really about creating a moment where uh, a man can absorb this terrible shock, this total sacrilege against the gods, against honor, against um, just the, the ways that humans interact, right? Um, and he doesn't freak out, right? It's just, it's, it's about him... Um, absorbing that moment and and transforming it into into what it needs to be um and i think the movie works really hard to get the audience there to get him there um and that's not a movie that's in the trailers right i i mean i think all three of us could put our heads together and write a great uh you know the story of a viking berserker right and his pursuits across um you know northern europe or whatever um but i think thinking about a certain individual and vividly bringing him out of the past and um, translating and articulating all of his particular perspectives, right? So human, so legible, and yet so different. Um, you know, it's just, it's a different thing. Um, so what, next he's got Nosferatu, right? Um, that's really interesting to me for a lot of reasons. Um, because it's it's very much not about humans, right? It's not about humans uh, finding themselves in a weird position or whatever, right? And needing to uh, find the way out of it, right? It's about this particular monster and how he relates to humanity. Um, so, you, you know, for a lot of for for those people on the farm, uh, Stellan, Stellan Alexander Skarsgård is Nosferatu, right? He is a monster. He is the thing that creeps in the night. And is cutting their throats in their sleep. Um, so to make a movie about, um, you know, a cold murderer that way, right? Uh, someone totally unafraid. It, and, you know, it's not about charging in. It's not about burning towns or raping women or whatever, right? It's about being effective. And I think um, Eggers having a really vivid idea about, like, what someone effective looks like in the 10th century or whatever. Um that that's I, it's just really cool i mean it's just like i watched the witch and then he was gonna do this and i was just like man the the guy who did the witch is gonna think about viking times and it was totally different from what i expected and yet it makes complete sense um and i wish um and of course like we can all sit around and be like what the fuck why can't why why don't studios see and eggers the same things that we do that's all very well said because they can't make a universe out of this. Can't make yeah, a, sure. a cinematic universe out of yeah. it. You you mean the protagonist dies? Oh, we can do a prequel. We'll, <laughs> we'll just we'll do a prequel. <laughs> the, the prequels in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's right. What if yeah, we do yeah, a side yeah. series about all those uh, all those other dudes that he was running around with uh, yeah. Pillage and Towns? Yeah. What if, the dude, what if the they dude, get their uh, own? The dude with no nose will give him right. a Disney Plus show. Yeah. The um, the skeleton dude that he fights. Uh, yeah. That guy's getting his own. Story. Yeah. He's getting a movie right. where he teams up with, I don't know, fucking Thomas and his dad from the Vavitch. Yeah. Yeah. They. Or no, they run into Black Philip, right? Black Philip has been just been a goat for a thousand years, you know, um, just running into people. Um, the the, B, just said the BPCU. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. So you know, it would be like Nosferatu hanging out with Black Philip or whatever. You know? Yeah. <laughs> At the end, we we realized that uh, that Black Philip yeah. built the lighthouse. <laughs> oh God! Yes, and Nosferatu is encased in concrete underneath the, the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just waiting for uh, the right homos up top to fuck it up so he can be revealed. <laughs> Who is um, playing Nosferatu? Did they announce that yet? Uh, the it's other scars. The other scars. Oh, it's Bill. Oh, it's yeah. yes, it's little Bill. Um, <laughs> Not little Bill. <laughs> Not little. Um, you were talking about a prequel. And, uh, a prequel made me think about Ethan Hawke stealing Nicole Kidman, right? And what was interesting about that little story is is kind of the the cycle of non morality that animates all this stuff, right? Like we have a we have a very solid concept of right, well, what right and wrong looks like, and of course it looks completely different to them, and that's what the whole movie is about. Um, I just like that. I like I like that the whole movie is taking place. In, in as a story, and it's a story after after one, and it's a story before another one, right? Anya's children are going to grow up, and they're going to be super sexy and strong, and tall, um, and they'll have their own little adventures in in um, in Russia or whatever. I just mean, you don't need a you don't need a universe, right? You just need a world. You need you need a you need to imply uh, the continuity of history. And um, and your worlds will always be interesting, right? If they're just if you're just kind of taking up the the the, the relay or whatever, and you're carrying it forward into the future, right? Um, I think he really excels at that, at really implanting his characters into a world that feels totally plausible, um, totally rich and dirty and real. I don't know, um, and and making them feel like they you know they could have happened you know to an ancestor. Or to um, you know someone you read about in a book, right? Some descendant of theirs, and they're like, oh, oh, they had, and one interesting part of their family tree is this thing. Um, I yeah, I think um, I think quite simply, probably the the best praise I can give this movie, um, it's com- it's completely disregards whether I like it or not. Uh, is that I welcome stuff like this um, and I want more of it made, whether I end up liking it or not. It's like, just give me more of this sort of stuff, hit or miss, so I don't have to see Willem Dafoe revisit a role from 20 years prior. You know, that's re- that's really how I feel. Uh, I think the movie's I think the movie's good. Uh, it didn't jive with me in a way that I wanted it to, but I still think it's good, uh, and I and I want more of it. That, that's that's kind of how I feel. 
I'm in the same boat, brother. You um, you got it. You got a final, final grade, final rating on this. I, I almost don't want to don't want to rate it, but I mean, in terms of how I personally felt, if I was giving it a score, I'd give it three out of five. I certainly think that, given the element, the 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 objective elements in it, I think it's a much higher rating. But in terms of my personal enjoyment of the movie. It, it was like a, a three out of five, but I, I, I think the movie's really well made. Um, it just, you know, it just didn't jive with me. That's all. I, I totally get that. But that's like the cool thing about, about movies. You can like see that you, you can see where someone else will, will enjoy, you know, what you've seen, even though it might not be what's for you. I think that's, that's more a sign of a of a worthwhile film than something um, that that you watch and a lo- like a lot of people connect with and you just like don't see the the why in terms of why they vibe with it. Um, like that's worse than something that not a lot of people dig on and you're like, oh, I can see where someone would like that. It's not necessarily for me, at least like not on this day, but there is, there is something there. Um, yeah. I think we lost Fernando, so we won't get his final rating. Yes, um, but he loves it. I imagine he'd probably, he probably would give it a four. I think he, I think he would give it a four, a four out of five. And I'm, I'm I split the difference on you guys. I'm, I'm a three and a half. Very I really, nice. really dig it. It's not totally for me. But there is a universe where I really love this movie. We'll we'll see if second time around, um, if we you know if we're more connected, me and the movie. But um, for now, three and a half is is where I'm sitting. Yeah, I think, and I want to be clear about ratings too. Like a three out of five maybe doesn't sound great. That's better than most films. Yeah, like it's it's a good. All, movie. all these ratings like are all these ratings are subjective. Even yeah. what we, even what we say to be objectively good movies, like certain things are only objectively good because we have subjectively decided that that is what is objectively good. Yes, that's like true. a certain camera shot or like editing technique is only as objectively good as like we objectively assign that distinction to it. Um, so absolutely. Uh, it cares, seems, man. It's, it seems like our our esteemed guest may may have reconnected. Uh, He's here. Uh, yeah, He's yeah. Uh, What's up, Nan? Uh, give us your 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 final thoughts, and if you want to score the film, by all means, score it. Sure. Um, I, I saw a lot of stuff this year, and uh, really nothing. Uh, nothing. I don't know. I remember the Northman very vividly as just a totally original vision of someone who has a simple story to tell and has some of the greatest actors in the world performing it for him in front of his camera um, and a complete understanding of the craft necessary to translate a totally plausible pre-modern vision of the world into a way that's legible and interesting and dark and subversive. Um, It's quiet and it's tense um, and it's a little impenetrable just because the fog of history is so impenetrable, but that's okay. Cause like, cause not a lot of stories happen that way. Um, uh, 
I don't love it the way that I love The Witch because I think The Witch is like a very pure needlepoint of power, right? Like it, it kind of feels like it's being injected directly into your heart as you're watching it, right? As you see um, these uh, this, this ligature around the neck of this family, right? Tighten and tighten and tighten and Anya's reaction to that over time. Um, you know, it's just, it's hard to match that. And he was obviously planning it in a way for many years that's not happening here with the Northmen. Um, but I think it's much, much, much better than everything that's being praised a lot this year, basically. Um, and much better than people. It's no Christ. Top Gun. It's no <laughs> Top Gun. That's funny. Um, yeah, no Top Gun. Uh, 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 that's funny. I, I, Top Gun is about a man who um, <laughs> believes himself to be uh, a, a part of history, right? And as it as it is happening, whereas the Northman is like about a dude who's like rejecting it as it is happening, right? Who's like living in defiance of history of the way things are going. Um, so that's like kind of a dramatic uh, sort of superiority to it, I think. Um, but, and, and I, I think I like, I think I like Alexander more than, more than Tom these days. Um, I think he's a little more excited than me as a screen presence. Um, it's a four to me. It's a complete four out of five, just like totally saw, totally easily recommended. Um, because it's different. It's, it's daring to show you, um, what a hundred years of filmmaking can do when you put it in the hands of someone who wants to tell a story and wants it to be totally modern, right? Wants it to be cutting edge and, and, um, and iterative, right? Innovative, right? It's, it's building on all these different versions of how to tell a Viking story. And it just says, well, tell it how it really was, which is to say that all these people were walking around with delusions of pagan grandeur and they had to do it even while they were slaves in Iceland. And for some of them, um, it was inspiring. And for some of them, it wasn't. Um, but in any case, it's something worth taking seriously because you look into their eyes and they're human just like you. So it's always worth um, reaching back and being like, what, is, um, what does it mean to believe? What does it mean to be motivated? What does it mean for... for uh, you know, purpose to feel um, like it's like it's something inhabiting and 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 pushing you forward in every aspect of your life, right? For for Skarsgård, um, there's no question about that. So that's always going to be very cinematically compelling, whenever that's uh, communicated in a way that's clear and um, and full of uh, motion or whatever. Um, yeah, Eggers, you know, everyone put them on your lists forever. Go see his shit in theaters um, whenever it comes out. Um, no matter no matter what Ebola pox is happening, um, um, just yeah, just do it. Just, I think that was that was a direct shot at you, Rock. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I felt I felt attacked there, but it's, yeah, it, it, it was it's all right. The, the, the sting. No, 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 no. I mean, I, maybe, maybe I, deserved. I, I, well, no, I, I, I'm very ambiguous about it. It's your fault if he never gets money to make another movie. It's true. No, my, my, you are pers- my yeah, he'll be you fine. are personally you know, responsible for he's it. He's a white guy getting good reviews. You know that means he'll work forever for sure. Um, Whatever. But, um, him, him, and Bezos can can split the six dollars I gave him this week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was very grateful for it. Uh, Eggers needs a conversation. Yeah. 
uh, guys, thank you so much. I mean, you know, obviously I'm very excited to talk about this movie. Um, I think Eggers is, is a great talent. Um, and I, and I want to thank you guys again for, um, for highlighting, you know, the things that are really special, uh, that, that are happening in movies these days. I think you guys are, are pretty adventurous and pretty serious about it. And so, you know, I'm there with you. Nan, uh, it's our, it's our pleasure. And as always, it's, it's a pleasure to, to have you on the show. Your, your perspective and the depth with which you think about things is, is always welcome. And, uh, I, I'm sure I speak for ref as well when I say that it's very interesting and eye opening to us. So you, it's, it's greatly always, appreciated. Yes. Thanks. Guys. Uh, I love talking about it with you guys. Love seeing stuff. Um, you know, it's, it, 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 it can feel a little lonely trying to seek out the good stuff these days, but, um, but it's um it's cool to um to have shoulders. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, man. Next next time we'll talk about Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Nan. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Fernando, Nan, where can you be found? Where can the people find you? Oh my god. Ladies and gentlemen, please come follow me on Letterboxd. I'm so lonely over there. Um you can find me at, at FD Pictures over there and I'm writing some stuff. I, I saw Pearl this week and I was and it was okay, and I like Blonde. Um, I, 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 I'm sort of in hot water about my perspective on Blonde these days, so you can come over and uh, hear all about it on Letterboxd with me, FD Pictures. What about you guys? Where are you? Raphael? Yo, I'm also on Letterboxd. Um, hopefully not in any hot water, though, but I haven't checked. Um, I can be found there. At Rafstit, it's all one word, R-A-F-S-T-I-T-T. I can also be found at that same handle on Instagram and on Twitter um, talking about movies and the New York Metropolitans. Michael, what about you? Where can where can you be found? Dude, I can be found on the Instas at Michael underscore Romeo underscore Rocco underscore. That's Michael Romeo Rocco underscores in between and at the end. You can also find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Michael underscore Rocco, R-U-O-C-C-O. And you can find both Raph, myself, fabulous guests like Fernando, and the podcast proper at Straight2DVDPod. That's the number two. Straight2DVDPod on Twitter, Instagram, and wherever you get your podcasts. Gentlemen, as always, it's a pleasure. Great episode. Great filmmaker. Cool movie. Hell yeah. See you next time.